Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 120. And in this show, we chat with Leon Jordan of McKenna Motorsports, Alex Gelsimino, who's with Hoonigan Racing, and with Rihanna Gelsimino of Subaru Motorsports USA. This show is a little bit of a post review from what it was like at Hundred Acre Wood with these top cars, as well as a preview for Olympus, which took place at the end of April. So turn up that volume while you're on that long transit for the latest episode of The Rallycast. Good morning, Rally fam. I'm Derek Johnson Love, the audio producer for Open Paddock. This is the last episode that was supposed to come out the week of the Olympus Rally. However, my mastering plugins decided to have a noisy argument with the rest of my plugins, which sounded a little something like this. Personally, being someone who loves experimental and noisy music, I really dig it, but it doesn't work so well for this format. Although there are aspects that are dated with the interviews, they're still relevant and very interesting to listen to, so I remixed and re-edited the entire thing, and here we are, perfect for those of you who are out on the long transits for Oregon Trail Rally this coming weekend. As for Olympus, the conditions were amazing. The usual downpour held off the entire weekend. Stages had a nice predictability and grip to them as compared to the slippy mud fest of the past few years. Brandon Seminuk and Keaton Williams took the overall win with a clean and brilliant drive throughout the entire weekend, followed by Travis Pastrana and Rhiannon Gelsimino. England's Tom Williams and Ross Woodick took third. Both of the WRC cars crashed out hard. Block went off on stage two or three in his Hyundai i20 WRC, and McKenna had a 15G impact on the same bridge that took out the double zero car and Seminuk last year. Both drivers and co-drivers came out okay from the wrecks, thankfully. David Higgins came out to race in a 2017 Citroen R5, but had issues with the steering column and had to retire on day one. Expect a short bonus podcast in the near future of field recordings I made on the flying finish of Nawatzel and the start of Wildcat. It's nothing but ear candy for the petrol head in us all. Thank you for listening and supporting Open Paddock. Mike Shaw's interview with Rhiannon and Alex Gelsimino, followed by Leon Jordan, are coming up right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Hello and welcome back to Open Paddock Rallycast, Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino. Hey Mark, how are you? Hey, Mike. Uh, hello to you and to all the listeners. Uh, well, hello to you, too. I'm glad you guys are uh, back in Idaho. Actually, you guys got quite the project going on right now. Yeah, well, I mean, we have to work out a way to do our physical fitness, so we just figured we'd build a stone wall. <laughs> <laughs> we have strange ideas, I know, but yeah. It's <laughs> a good workout. Yeah, you know, I hope your back's okay, because uh, that, that definitely pretty much defines backbreaking work. 
<laughs> the thing is, when you live in Idaho, it's open range, so we can get cows, we can get bulls, we can get horses, we can get sheep. We can. So uh, we had just a normal, you know, farm fence, and we decided to make the entry to our house a bit nicer and go this way. And it was a good time for us because we had a few weeks at home, so we decided to get get to it and. And it was a good workout. So it sounds like uh, it's kind of your farmland ends up being general everybody's farmland if it's not all closed off. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the way it works. You know, I don't know how ranchers keep track of where their lives <laughs> okay because uh, seriously, I mean, it's just so strange because the, you know someone's you know cows could spread over hundreds of square miles. You know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, actually really common. You know, I knew that, uh, you know, when I used to go hunting or fishing and things like that out in the in the rural areas of Oregon, uh, it was that same thing. You know, you'd have just basically the only thing that would cut off an area that would be, I think, for a specific ranchers herd is the cattle crossings. Right. And then some really bad quality barbed wire that's been there for like 40 years. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we have here. <laughs> <laughs> It makes you realize how important the cattle guards are. I mean, we, we fly over cattle guards all year long on rally stages, you know, but here, if they're not maintained or if they're damaged, the cows will just end up on the highways. So That's very dangerous. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the only way to really keep them kind of locked in um, and off of the roads and whatnot, uh, you know, crossing those little bridges and, and getting somewhere else. So, yeah, very effective tool. Um you know, if only we could like somehow corral children that way, right? <laughs> I think how much easier it'd be to manage kids. Like, oh, I could fall through there. I'm not going. <laughs> Lucky you don't have kids. Mike would have like cattle guards around his house. <laughs> kids can't escape. <laughs> All right, I don't have kids either, so I don't really have too much of an That's excuse. What I mean. Like, lucky you don't, because your house could be scary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, this is a rally podcast, so I say maybe we should shift gears to that. Um, <laughs> it's always fun to chat about whatever, though. Um, so, 100 Acre Wood, a couple weeks ago. Um, obviously, the big drama, I, I'm going to start with you, Alex, obviously coming with a, a very special new vehicle. Uh, was that your first time in one of the 2017 to 2021 era uh, cars like that? Uh, no, we did, um, we did a WRC event. Few years ago, with a with a Ford Fiesta, oh that's WRC, right, the latest spec, yeah, and enjoyed a couple of days of testing as well, and uh, and now the opportunity presented with you know to work with this team and uh, and have this career in the U.S. So it's actually pretty cool to compare the car that we drove a few years ago to this car here. That this is more like a, uh, a yeah, it's, it's a similar type of vehicle, but obviously a different different make and model and built by a different outfit. So it was pretty cool to compare the two. Well, and then you also were in a similarly built uh, Subaru last year. So you can kind of have that comparison too. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty pretty cool as well. I mean, to to be in this type of vehicles, which are currently the, you know, the vehicles that are the, the main class, the main open class here in North America and the U.S., it's, it's pretty cool to, to be able to uh, showcase the, vehicles for the fans you know for the media i think there is a bunch of jealous people around the world around the rally world because you know a national championship uh, runs anywhere in the world uh, you know with our five type of vehicles we have a round of the australian championship going on like right now as we speak and you know 
obviously the national events in Europe and and another event that is running in uh, in Mexico at the moment, Rally of Nations. Uh, but you don't have this sort of open class, you know, slash war rally car vehicle. So we're pretty cool to have them here in America. Well, um, and, and even Rhiannon, you can kind of speak to this because, uh, you know, you've been uh, all around the world with world rally cars around and things like that. I mean, everybody's always wondered, where do the Subarus sit in comparison? And even I think Vermont Sports Car wanted to know, where does their car sit on the world stage? You know, we were always thinking it was somewhere between the 2016 and 2017 era, you know, kind of somewhere in there. I think that's maybe still kind of true, but it seems like they're still pretty close. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell right now because we went to an event like 100 Acre Wood where obviously Ken and Alex have dominated throughout the years, um, won it on many occasions. So it's always been an event where, you know, they have had a, a strong outing regardless of what car they're in. Last year, they were in the scooter there, obviously, and they were doing really well there as well. So um, it's one of those events I've been asked lots of times, you know, after 100 Acre Wood, how, you know, the Hyundai and Barry's car compared to our car. And obviously, Ken was far superior at um, 100 Acre Wood to our cars, but it's always a difficult one to know, I guess, until you get a few events under your belt because that definitely is is Ken's probably, I, I think, probably favourite event of the year. So whereas for Travis and I, yes, we won it last year, but it hasn't been an event that he's dominated in like Ken has. So, you know, we were also going there and Travis had come from his injuries and stuff like that. So I think Olympus and Oregon, the following events will tell us more of the story and the pictures so we can see, you know, how these cars compare to each other. Well, and, and how was Travis doing? Because, uh, you know, you and I chatted, you know, um, right around uh, when, they, when they were doing uh, Snowdrift, and he's, he's dealing with some swelling and some pain that probably doesn't go away too quick. I can't imagine having all those forces sitting in the seat uh, can feel too good as you're healing. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a tough bugger, that's for sure. Um, we put a wider seat in the car for him, um, so that, you know, helped with, because he's still got a lot of the swelling, like you're talking about. So that definitely helped um, with his comfort in the car compared to the seat that he usually has. Um, and we did a few other comfort things to make him, you know, feel okay with, you know, having the seat belts around, you know, where his tube is and, and his pelvis, which was obviously broken and, and his sacrum and things like that. So we definitely put some extra padding and things and made it a lot, um, you know, feel comfortable for him, I guess, in the situation he was dealing with, with coming back from these injuries. So I think for him, it's just a matter of he just needs to keep healing and getting better. And each event will, will you know, he'll, we'll get back the old Travis, I guess you'd say, and back to his fighting fit self. And, and you came right out of the blocks with a stage win. Yeah. So stage one and stage three, we won. Um, they were the only two stages I think we won for the rally. Those, those uh, stages, on um, Friday were like highways. They were really fast and, you know, there was no bumpy rough parts. So in those stages, it was good for us because we didn't have to think about anything as far as Travis's injuries or anything like that. But then obviously the first stage on Saturday was extremely rough, stage seven, um, lots of water crossings, compressions, things like that. So our tactics for the event had to change a bit compared to usual. You couldn't just do, you know, 110 or 10% or whatever you want to say. You know, we had to scale it back on on the stages that obviously were a bit rougher and and could knock Travis around. But those first couple of stages on Friday, yeah, for sure, we could be maximum attack like we usually can be, and they worked out well in stage one and three. But then 
obviously the repeat of those stages. Um, you know, we got overtaken, we got a puncture, we had a few things happen. So we went from first to fourth after our puncture that we had for nearly seven miles. So definitely set us back, but we were happy to see that straight out of the blocks we were up there and winning the stage, which was great. You know, it's always hard to tell when you get a puncture like that, whether it's worthwhile to pull over and try and do a quick change or make it to the end, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in our case, we definitely knew that we had to go because Travis um, can't help me much at the moment with tyre changes. So, you know, a tyre change, usually we could do around two right. minutes, but at the moment, there's no way we could do it in two minutes. So when there was nearly seven miles left and it was a front puncture, you know, that's a long way to do on a front puncture. But at the same time, we knew we were talking plus, plus probably three minutes if we stopped. So we just had to keep going, and we definitely lost a lot less than three minutes um, by continuing, but it obviously did a lot of damage to our car, ripped off the guard and things like that. So then the next stage, we lost time as well. So, look, it was one of those things that we just had to press on regardless because of, you know, um, Travis's injuries and things like that where we couldn't – he can't be as mobile and quick out of the car as he usually would be. So, you know, we dealt with it. Um, You know, Barry got a puncture as well in the same stage. Um, so it was just one of those things and obviously we lost our time straight away and we went back to fourth and that's where we finished. So we couldn't make anything back up after that, unfortunately. So for you, Alex, uh, with the new car, did you guys get any uh, good testing in in advance? Um, obviously the condition seems like they changed, uh, you know, um, going into that uh, Friday night with all the, the slick stuff coming in. Yeah, no, unfortunately, no, this, this, this whole deal was really late and the car arrived late and that. And unfortunately for that event, for some reason, every year we can't seem to be able to source a good test road. So we were actually using a a road uh, that was uh, around a a caravan park, you know, a a, a camping park. So it was quite short and it was heavily polluted during the test. So uh, it was uh, was not the ideal test. We had about 15 miles and after that... uh, um, you know, we, we achieved everything we could as far as the testing goes. Uh, so we knew that that first day of, of Andrew Wood was going to really be our test, uh, day, day and a half, you know, because then the stages changed on the second day. And, uh, and you got you to gotta get familiar with a new vehicle, with a new chassis and everything. You got to try everything on different conditions before you can tell, yes, I'm comfortable, but we are ways away from from being comfortable with a brand new chassis like that, it takes a couple of bands. So the good thing that we had on our sides, it was the knowledge of the tires that is basically the same tire that we've been using for the past eight or 10 years, you know, which is a phenomenal tire. And at the same time, the knowledge of the stages, because at the end of the day, they don't change at that band. So uh, we had notes that we were using as far back as 2014. Uh, so that sort of road knowledge and the knowledge of the tire helped us a little bit on day one and day two, especially. For those that don't know, I guess, can you explain the car a little bit? Because in this case, because it was last minute, there were kind of some concessions made to allow the car. Um, explain the interesting fiddly bits and, and how they tried to neuter it to keep it as close as they could to the rest of the field. Well, yeah. Yeah, obviously, it's no secret the car runs a puddle shifter um, uh, sequential gearbox, which uh, uh, the other cars up at this point have had a normal uh, gear shift uh, to operate their their sequential gearboxes. Um, and 
At the same time, however, we are running a, a 1600 motor, which is above 400 or, or so um, um, cc's less than what you know the other uh, open class cars are running. So I think that's the balancing factor between our car and the other cars. We have a smaller displacement engine, uh, but we are running these pedal shifters. And uh, uh, I assume that that's sort of concession that was made. Uh, from ARA, so uh, and inside the car, pretty much you know feels like a, uh, uh, any other you know open class cars we've driven in the last few years. Uh, just the, the you know shifter uh, operation is different, and the engine operates differently because it's more of a more of a peaky uh, sort of like mm-hmm. power band being such a small engine um, compared to what. Like for example, we driven last year. The Subaru is a very torquey engine where you can use the power band at a wider range of RPMs. This one, you just need to uh, push it to higher RPMs in order to make it work. Gotcha. And I guess the other thing I think this one has it still has that uh, electronic center diff, which kind of makes it um, also a little more, I guess, adaptable in probably how you can approach. Con- corners a little bit differently than maybe those that have the mechanicals right yeah I, I honestly i am not sure and i still need to find out what what the deal is with that because again this car was so late and our team is a there is running the car this year is actually a foreign team is out of france so they they came together with the car and everything we had such a rush time you know during the testing and straight into the recce and everything we literally i literally haven't had the chance to investigate more uh and it's something that i plan to do prior to the next round which is olympus because uh i need to be familiar you know ken and i we need to be familiar 100 percent with the car and the specifics of it as well as you know situations where you need to fix the car in between stages like like exactly things like uh like the operation of the jack, for example, I, we're not even, even you know too familiar. We we went through it once, but a, a speed if you need to do a tire change uh, is something we need to do a lot of practice and just getting familiar overall with the car specifics. Yeah, I think that's probably a thing that should be practiced on a regular basis. Probably that tire change because you're not always doing it. You know, obviously in in a hurry from uh, you know a, a puncture per se, but also performance right you, you have maybe you want to take two spares with you on a loop because you know that next stage you know that having better grip from new rubber is going to be important or you are in a situation absolutely or you are in a situation like day two or under a wood where you are risking a puncture pretty much every stage you you can't do a loop with just uh, one spare you're taking a big chance and and i look i feel by looking at what happened on day one under a wood how close we were and and uh, the issues where our competitors had a couple of punctures and then uh, going into day two, there was a um, uh, pretty, I feel there was a pretty equal balance. I feel that this year's championship, unfortunately, will be won and lost by unfortunate situations like flat tires, you know, <laughs> deer, <Yeah>. deer encounters <laughs> and things like that. So we, you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you have one spare, you get a puncture on one stage and you got one or two more stages to go. That could be a make a break for for the championship this year. And, and the situation, the equation is all a little bit more complicated because we have a lot of points 
into play. I think it's something like 35 or 40 points coming just from the power stages this year, uh-huh. which is a new factor that we haven't experienced uh, before in the American Championship. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, some $1 bills that you guys got to start earning from those. Yeah, it's more than $1, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> At least that was Travis would call it the dollar bet, but uh, I guess maybe just calling it dollar bet in air quotes doesn't mean it's one dollar. I guess I should be clear about that. <laughs> I, I actually think that's a brilliant idea. We shouldn't have called it the power stage. We should have kept dollar saying bet. what Travis says, call it the dollar stage. <laughs> when we were starting, he said, oh, dollar stage three. And I'm like, no, it's the power stage. He's like, it's the dollar stage two. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> So I'm like, didn't you pick a different stage? This is dollar stage? And he's like, no, the dollar stage has to be the power stage because we can't have full commitment like that in two stages. That could be a bit risky. And I was like, okay. But it's interesting Alex brings up the power stage because it does really bring something new to the game. Like we got to that final stage of the rally. The last two stages from memory it was were cancelled because we were obviously held up so much by unfortunate accidents, SOS and stuff like that. So it meant that, you know, um, there was a little bit of a change to the itinerary. So the last stage, um, you know, was a power stage. And I remember Travis is like, okay, Ray, you know, it's five points here. And we were really pushing. Um, and then we thought we got it because Barry's time didn't come up. And we'd come across Ken and Alex on the transit and they'd obviously hit the deer and we'd beat Brandon by point two, I think it was. So we were like semi-celebrating that we'd got these five points after we'd come forth and, oh, that was a redemption. And then Barry's time popped up and he beat us by a second. And we were like, oh, don't we feel stupid? <laughs> One second over just under seven and a half miles. I mean, that's that's pretty close. It's too much. <laughs> Mike, it's pretty, pretty cool because those power stages, because there is so many points at, at stake, you're going to see the top four, you're going to see the top four, top five, driving them 100 percent you know so th- there is going to be those very small gaps i mean where Rihanna was saying a tenth or two between them and brandon and, and then and then over seven miles which is a fair distance Tra- uh, barry wins it by a second uh, and we will never know what our time was obviously because we had to slow down due to, to the accident uh, it, it's going to be interesting and i feel that maybe air i should do something to promote again some more exposure from the power stage you know try somehow to make a, a live feed you know or or have a situation where the fans can follow at home that particular stage which is going to be a hundred percent for for pretty much the top four wheel drive and two wheel drive guys yeah like i was thinking it'd be cool like if they had someone out on if there was coverage like live facebook feed and it's like hey we're here at the start of the power stage with Travis Pastrana, Travis, what's your, you know, and then in the stage there could be cameras or whatever. Like it would be pretty cool to make it more prestigious and promote it in a way because it is a big deal. Like you can win a championship by one point. Like, and to think that the power stage is five, four, three, two, one um, at every single national round and there's nine national rounds. So in total, obviously it's 45 points tops. Um, but then obviously we're going to, um, only count six rounds and things like that. So it, it's definitely something that I think would be cool to promote a lot more as because it's so new and, and something for the spectators to really follow. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I, I, I Unfortunately, you know, each round I'm like, 
which one's the power stage and you know oh i don't remember <laughs> and you know asking people like oh yeah i think it was stage 12 you know and yeah. and yeah i think it does need to be highlighted a little bit more cuz um it, i think it is going to make a lot of difference the fourth at this round which you know for us is we're thinking it's a drop round um so yeah it's i guess the championship the way it's ran in america where we do have nine rounds and you only count six the way you think about it is quite different to a normal championship where all nine rounds would be counted and we're all on a back foot at the moment because of <laughs> what happened at Snowdrift. So I think it's just a little bit different thinking that we go about things because of that. You know, what's funny is the fact that you finished fourth overall and you're like, yeah, it's a drop round. <laughs> it's just it's just <laughs> hilarious to just uh, to even think that. But yeah, when you've got that many rounds that you're able to do and uh, you got so many you can drop, obviously, that, that, that makes sense. But it's just kind of funny. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we're seeing this as a drop round. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to uh, so... remember last year we had, um, you know, in all our races together, Travis and I, the worst result we'd had was third other than our crash at New England, which we were winning the rally. So when we got a fourth, it was like, oh, we sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's straight away we're like driving back and we're doing working out points on the back of my pace notebook and we're working out how many we got. And we're like, oh, man, this is a drop round. This sucks. Now we have to drop two rounds. So it was quite funny because, as you know, we're all competitive and we're all working out how this sort of works out. And so. We'll, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, that's our worst round ever together. And then I was like, well, we did crash when we were winning and got zero points. He's like, I feel better about winning in that than coming fourth. And I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, uh, wildlife. Um, <laughs> I was jokingly going to call your car Ginsu because all the cars with the arrow on them now have all these uh, little blades on them. So, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> have you have you dealt with uh wildlife before uh this incident no mike that was the first year i ever hit in my life in either driver's side or passenger side so that was uh um yeah <laughs> that wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> so i mean explain your experience because i mean you're there reading notes and you know it, it, it's really it's it's ken that's looking at the road you know all the time not you did you know in advance? Did did you happen to look up and see him just before it happened, or give give us an idea of what your view was from the uh, co-pilot seat? Well, no, I had I had no idea until like seriously until uh, a second after after it happened, and, and and it was a small one, unfortunately for him. It, it, and so I, I at first I thought it was actually a dog, or uh, because. I, I, I I knew I felt we were driving by a farm, so I thought it was uh, um, um, either a, a small livestock or or a dog that belonged to the farm. And then uh, Ken told me that uh, we were um, we, we hit a deer. So, uh, but it was a, a small one, and it, it happened so suddenly in a six gear section that uh, um, yeah, no, I had no idea. Didn't see it coming. Yeah, it's got to be pretty shocking. I'm guessing you've seen the in car now. Yeah, and even from the in car, which you probably seen. Mike, is, is oh, you almost you barely see it. You can tell it's a small little. It's a blur. Yeah, it's just a blur, and and he doesn't. He never goes above the the bonnet, so it just gets sucked in in the bottom left side of the car, and uh, and that was it. But because the speed was so high, uh, it did fair amount of damage, and you probably seen the pictures as well. And um, yeah, that carbon just shreds and. And again, it was a small one, but at that speed, it went, went quite a bit inside, yeah. Rhiannon, have you ever had to deal with uh, wildlife on a stage before? 
Yeah, in Australia, kangaroos is a problem. Oh. <laughs> Alex, I thought you'd nearly hit kangaroos in Australia too, in Canberra. Remember? No, I never hit it. Richie? Never hit it. Come close. So yeah, come that, yes. Um, Brenda and I grazed a kangaroo at Canberra, which is actually the rally is doing now back in, it was either 2014 or 16 or something like that. Uh, luckily, it didn't do much damage, but there was some kangaroo fur on the side of the car. And then Alex was the first state competitor coming through a bit later, and they said they had some kangaroos come close to them too. So, so for me, it's a, we, we nearly hit a dog in the stage at 100 Acre Wood, which I think all of us saw. Did you guys see the hunting dog? No, I didn't. Okay, so there was a hunting dog, and Brandon said he nearly hit it, and Barry nearly hit it, we nearly hit it. So he must have had something on the road after you guys come through. And Travis and I come up, and here's this hunting dog in the middle of the road, and it was like, move, doggy. So... I'm happy we didn't hit him because that would have been terrible. But I've never had a situation where, you know, it was like Alex and Ken where it actually did damage to my car and you couldn't continue. But I've definitely had ones where we've grazed the kangaroos and we've been lucky that it hasn't done any more damage. Well, Travis has had the deer issue before. And what I remember actually just a couple of years ago was um, there was one of these like, you know, zoomed in photos that Subaru did. Um, you know, kind of their social media is like, what is this? And what it was is they had at least prior, and maybe they still do it. And I think it was actually for the hundred acre wood event. They had these, these little, um, whistles that they mounted on the, uh, on the mirrors, on the side mirrors that are the deer scares. Do you still run those? We, last year we ran them. Yeah. At, um, uh, I think it was snow drift from memory, um, because Travis had hit He's hit two deers in his career that have taken him out of first place is what he told me. So on recce, we had seen some. And so uh, James, who's uh, the nitro film, like film guy that was with us, we sent him to get some and we just put him on the front of the car and we didn't see any deer. So I don't know if they worked, but we didn't see any. So maybe they did work, but um, yeah, he's definitely nervous about that. If you're first on the road, because he's had the situation where he has hit deer before and it's put him out of a rally. So. We were just happy, to be honest, that the boys were able to keep going because it's nothing worse than, you know, when you're in a situation where you're winning a rally and something like that happens where it's a freak situation and out of your control because it could have been far worse. Like they could have had, you know, an accident after that happening. So it was, you know, we were happy that it was a situation where, you know, they kept going and they were able to finish second and they, you know, didn't have an accident or something like that. So there you go. Pro tip for you there uh, for the Hoonigan team. Add some of those deer scares to your car. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll make we'll make a um, we'll make them branded so we can <laughs> we can sell some too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Fair results that you got. Um, obviously not not what you wanted. Everybody wants a win at uh, Hundred Acre Wood, but still in the points there. Um, really good power stage performance uh, from Travis and Ree um, at uh, Hundred Acre. Now we go into Olympus. Uh, If there is a more polar opposite rally, I don't know if there is, because from high speed to, I mean, it's not like it's slow by any means, but it's definitely a lot more technical when you're coming out to uh, Olympus. Yeah, yeah. Now we go into an event that, uh, I mean, if Underwood could have been unpredictable, this one is one of the most unpredictable ones of the year. You're dealing with uh, tough stages, tough weather, and grip conditions and, you know, rocks here and there, long stages. Uh, I mean, the, the, the power stage itself is the, one of the longest stages of the championship. 
and one of the most difficult ones. Uh, overall, it's always a rally where it's even hard to, you know, it's difficult. It's even hard to make pace notes there. So it was just as such. I mean, it's the Olympus round. It used to be a WRC round. You know, but we, we know that. Uh, so we'll see. For me, Olympus will be, again, a, a bit of a roulette. You know, I think the one that uh, will, the, the team will, uh, they will avoid the issues and will avoid the punctures will come on, on top again. I don't think it's going to be one of those events where you go flat out and, um, and yeah, at the end you, you can win, which in some ways Oregon, the following one can be like that because Oregon stages are are sort of less, are more forgiving stages, you know, but Olympus is just an unknown. And I think the thing is with Olympus too, like we do have the technical stage, which is Wildcat, um, where Brandon had the unfortunate incident last year hitting the bridge. One of the most difficult uh, stages we'll do in rallying in America for sure, especially if we get wet conditions and things like that, which can happen at Olympus any time of year. But also we've got stages like Nawatsul that, you know, it has the name, now what's all but every single year the stage changes so like my team the other day was like oh now what's all like last year and i said no now what's all doesn't have one single section of part of the stage from last year right and they're like well why is it called now what's all and i said well i've gone through all maps and and all that sort of stuff and nothing matches up because they have <laughs> so many you know roads to use that they can reverse it they can mm-hmm. send us down here and there and whatever so you know, there's nothing that you can salvage from your notes from previous years uh, for Travis and I and for Alex and Ken and Brandon and, and Barry. So Brandon, I think, will probably go there with the most um, knowledge of the stages. He's done that rally quite a lot. He's got a lot of the notes because I think he's also done tour, which uses a lot of those stages as well. Um, so I think Brandon will actually probably go there with the most notes out of all from previous years. Um, and the most experienced. So like Alex said, it's going to be an interesting rally because like last year he had his accident there, Barry wasn't there, Travis and I won the event, Ken and Alex come second, and then we had the Hyundai R5, which actually come third, the Irish other guys that were over from Ireland. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens knowing that, you know, there's lots of things going on there that are different to last year as well. So you can't really gauge, you know, who's going to be the top performer, I guess. So... For both of you, do you prefer to have a little bit of wet come down for that one, or do you want it to be dry? Uh, it's a good question, Mike. Uh, what I can tell you that from our experience, and I'm not talking about just these cars that we are dealing with this year, you know, the two were rally cars and the Subaru, but the last five, seven, or eight years, car suspension, you know, tires, technology, in my opinion, when you have an event that is wet, you don't have the the massive change of grip that we're experiencing 10, 15 years ago when tire and damper technology and engine management wasn't uh, at the level that it is today. So I noticed not much of a difference between a dry and a wet event in a way that uh, um, not a massive difference. You adapt, obviously, to the le- lesser grip, but it is not a massive step so i would prefer a bit of a i would prefer a wet olympus uh i've been at olympus on olympus stages when it was dry and it's an absolute nightmare as far as dust goes it's actually a hazard on those forests i wouldn't i don't think it would be a, a good event to have a dry olympus for many reasons you know fire hazards and dust hazards 
I hope it's wet and I feel, I mean, knowing the area, it probably will be. And for me, I don't think I'd say I'd hope it's wet. I just want it to be damp. And why I say damp, not wet, is damp will keep the dust down. But wet, we were first on the road last year. How we didn't crash into that bridge, I don't know. So, you know, the, whoever's first on the road at Olympus in wet, they're going to be the ones finding those spots. And Travis and I had quite a few moments last year because we were first on the road in the wet and unpredictable. You don't see other braking markers. You don't know, you know, especially if you've done a dry recce and then all of a sudden it's wet in the rally and you don't have those slippy spots marked. So, yeah, if, if I'm first on the road, I definitely don't want wet. I want damp. If I'm fourth on the road, wet doesn't bother me so much because, you know, you're not the one finding those conditions. So it's always tricky when you're first on the road in, in wet rallies, and it's something that I've come across a lot in the last few years, and it's not something that I enjoy knowing that you're coming down and having to make that decision and hoping for the best. Um, so for me, I wouldn't want it wet. I don't enjoy it when it's wet. Cars fog up. The cars inside get wet. We get wet. I don't enjoy it at all. <laughs> so damp dust would be my call, that's for sure. Ho- hoping the conditions also, uh, for us media guys, uh, we don't like it to be pouring rain either. Uh, just damp is fine <laughs> with us. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and too much dust isn't fun either. So you're having to wipe lenses and all that stuff, breathing in too much dust. It's not too much fun. So so yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that one. Um, although you can sometimes run into the low clouds too. That's like fog, right? So... That can also be another challenge out there. But uh, I wanted to finish this up, though, with a shout out to uh, for you to to talk about your brother, Brendo, because he's got a new deal this season. Or, or is it just for this one event? But I, I can't I couldn't quite tell when I was hearing it somewhere else. But it sounds like he's got a deal with Hyundai. Yeah, so he's been driving for Hyundai Australia for a few years now. We did Target Tasmania in 2019. He does a lot of the driver days. He's given a Hyundai car that he has all year round. So he's been working for Hyundai Australia for a few years now. Um, and so far it had only been one rally, which was Target Tasmania. So um, obviously now um, this opportunity come up with end performance with Hyundai um, and it's just a one-off. It's a Hyundai R5 that was in Australia and they're leasing it for the event Hyundai is. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't had the best start to the rally, three three stages in and he's had brake issues. Oh. So he's currently fit. Um, fifth in a minute, 20 down because of that. So they've, they've done um, pad changes and oil changes and stuff like that at service and heading back out to do those same stages. So hopefully it'll be better from there. But at this stage, it's just one event. Um, if he does well, hopefully it turns into more, but um, hasn't been the best start so far. But um, hopefully um, after this service, they might have been able to fix the issues he was having and, and set some good times and and you know, show Hyundai it's a good idea to get out there, I guess. Yeah, I would hope so, because, you know, we, we know the talent that he is, and, uh, uh, heck, even in uh, Dotzilla, which is probably one of the most fun cars to see <laughs> out there uh, playing around, but uh, when it comes to the serious business of being at the sharp end, you know, ha- having that R5 uh, is something to be critical to that, and we, we know he could get that championship if uh, he's got that backing. Yeah, for sure. And at the end of the day, um, you know, sometimes it just takes, you need to give a manufacturer a bit of a sniff, you know, like this is what it's about. So we've done Targa and obviously Targa is so different to what the Australian Rally Championship is. So hopefully, you know, if he can, you know, get the car handling the way he needs it to and all those sort of things, he'll, he can move up the results. There's still, it's three heats this rally. They do it quite different in Australia to here. So 
He's done heat one, finished fifth, um, and now there's still two more heats to go, so it'll just depend on what how it goes after this service, I guess. I'll be watching closely. <laughs> Does uh, Australia still do the power stage as the first stage? No, so they used to do it, like, yeah, they used to do it right at the start of the rally as a separate thing. It wasn't even part of the rally, if that makes sense. So it was power stage, and then you would do, like, ceremonial start and things, and then you would start stage one. So the power stage would be worth five, four, three, two, one. And you could win $500, which was really cool as well. Um, and then you would do other, which I really enjoyed. It was sort of a, they did like a lot of media around it. Yeah. And they made a big deal, which was really cool. Um, but from what I can remember, Brendo saying, I think it's just like America now, I think, and WRC and stuff, I think it's one of the stages within gotcha. the itinerary, like what we're doing here. Yeah, it used to be when we did the Australian Championship in 13 and 14, it was the way I just explained. And we used to love it because it was a really big deal made of it. And if you won the 500 bucks, it was a bonus. <laughs> well, and if come to think of it, I think Australia started the whole power stage thing. I, I, I think you guys did it before WRC did. Yeah, from what I know, I'm pretty sure it started from an idea that someone had, which it could be one of the guys that's now in the WRC. There's a couple of guys from Australia that now... Uh, quite high up in, um, you know, WRC promotions and stuff, Simon Larkin and a couple other guys who were running ARC at that time. So it could have even been one of their ideas that they took over to WRC, to be honest. Um, but that's, yeah, we we definitely were doing it um, for a long time in Australia. Um, and, and I think it's awesome that we've introduced it here in America because for us as competitors, it just adds a little, little more excitement to the event. And Hopefully, once the spectators start understanding it and there's more promotion about what stage it is, you know, it'll become a bigger thing. Like Alex and I have started our own fun little regional, um, what do we call it, shootout stage, um, which we we give a prize winner to the first four-wheel drive regional and the first two-wheel drive regional, and they win $100 each. And then we also do a co-driver watch to a novice co-driver in the rally. So we're trying to do some stuff for the regional guys too to add some excitement and our shootout stage seems to be a bit of fun for them as well. So I think those sort of things are great and they bring different opportunities to teams and, and it's a good way to promote rally in a different way to spectators as well. Yeah. I didn't even talk about how busy you guys have been with the school doing stuff up at Dirtfish, still doing some other stuff uh, back at the ranch. I mean, you guys have been, well, and didn't you do some classes when you visited family down in Australia? Yeah. When I was in Australia, I actually trained 24 co-drivers. So that was busy for sure. <laughs> So and now never a dull moment. June and that class is booked out. So I mean, it's great. Oz Rally Pro has been crazy busy. Alex and I have been fish a lot. We've got another one in. Is it May? Yeah, May. We'll be there again for a week. We'll also be there after Olympus to work with George, um, who's in the Rallycross. Young, mm. young driver. We have a lot of uh, drivers and co-drivers booked around those dates uh, of the their fish co-driver development pro. Program as a standalone, you know, one on one on one training. So that that part has been really busy, but also because rallying in North America, I mean, we are hundred cars enter at Olympus. We had ninety two, ninety three enter under Rally is really hot and popular and hot right now. So um, so it's something that there is a lot of new competitors uh, that want to train and they want to improve. And uh, yeah, it's been busy. Very good. We're gonna need some bigger service parks, guys. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> and more rally safes <laughs> anyway you two uh awesome stuff uh it, it's so exciting to see you both fighting at the front and you know like i said good results maybe not exactly what you wanted um 
we'll make sure that uh, maybe those black rifle guys hunt the deer first. Because uh, <laughs> that's definitely their wheelhouse. <laughs> and uh, we hope that you have a good result up at Olympus as well. Well, I'll be up there. Um, I'm going to be working with uh, the folks up at Olympus and maybe do some live streaming from there. So Great. Sounds good, Mike. Great to chat to you. All right. Well, be safe, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Well, welcome to Open Paddock Rally Cast. Leon Jordan, it's been a while since we've chatted, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, you're keeping it quiet. Yeah, well, just doing all the blabbering on this podcast thing, so, you know. I hear you, yeah. Um, no, good to hear from you. Look at um, it's good to be back at it this year. Thank God. Yeah, you know, the COVID kind of on its way out, thank goodness. It's been kind of crazy out there, and then, of course, uh, that changed markets and all kinds of stuff, so I know that's been keeping you guys busy. You only got out in that new car that we're so excited to see, but I only got out, what, twice last year? Yeah, so uh, 100 Acre Wood actually last year, and uh, we went to Maine and as well, New England. Neither of them went to plan for us, to be honest, but uh, look, it was uh, was very unfortunate what happened in New England, a puncture and then the gearbox thing, but as they say, that's the joys of rallying, I suppose. We've got, of course, other new hardware now coming over, now with Block bringing his car, you know, got his uh, Hyundai i20 WRC over here. Yeah. Um, you know, you were the big target last year. Everybody's going after you on the rules. They kind of clarified that for this year. Uh, where do you think it kind of sits right now? I mean, they made kind of some adjustments for Ken's car, but it seems like it's kind of close, but it still is a little superior. I don't know. What's your overall feeling of kind of where we're at? Yeah, look at it. It's a, it's yeah. The, the rule book out here, um, it's um, how could you say it in a political term? I suppose it's um, it's very vague, um, but it does obviously say that you cannot use paddles. Was one big thing that that Barry had to change in his car, and then uh, electronic diffs was another thing. Look at. What do you say on it? Um, it's ARA's call at the end of the day, and unfortunately, it's not nobody else's, you know? I think it'd be a little easier to swallow if Ken didn't win. Or, sorry, he didn't win, but, I mean, he was right there up until the end, so... Oh, 100%. And you get that, like, as I say, that's Ken's first day out in that car. He's only going to get quicker. Uh, the car's only going to get quicker. It's the first time it's been on an American stage, so it's going to progressively get quicker as time goes by as well. Look, there's still potential left in Barry's car and, and ourselves, but like uh, not not as near enough to get to the level of where that car is going to be at when it when it reaches its potential. You know. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you guys about how, how you were feeling because I mean, again, not a lot of time in the car. You just you know got a test in there, a shakedown. And then you guys are flat out having not rallied since last year. I mean, did it feel like getting in the brand, car like it was brand new again, or did you have a little bit of comfort with it? Yeah, look, at well, we, we got a very short test. Um, as I say, it was only maybe uh, six or eight mile of, of a proper test. Um, we've been out of the car, obviously, as I say, since New England last year. So it was like starting all over again. Um, we were actually surprised after the first few stages that we were there thereabouts. We weren't a million miles away, you know. But definitely, we still have some to build on. But as I said, like, you know, going back to Ken's car, that um, it's a different beast, you know. 
And um, electronics is a is a huge huge advantage uh, when when they're used by you know a really good driver. Which which once Ken gets into the swing of things in that car, he's going to be pretty unbeatable. Have you been in a car that's had that electronic center diff kind of design before? I haven't, but uh, you know, with friends uh, through motorsport and, and following it, you know, all the time, you can see the massive advantages that it has. You know. Right, right. So it's a little more efficient at it than, of course, the the mechanical, especially when you know you can't really adjust ratios, right? Once you've got that ratio in there, it's it's kind of set. Correct. Yeah. So it, it can kind of dynamically adjust that. That's that's always what I always kind of wondered with those things. Like, is it something they kind of can dial that in, you know, on the fly, or is it something that you know you kind of oh this stage is twistier, so I'm going to want it more aggressive, you know, towards the rear maybe, or you know what I mean. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is that case. That, that I don't know what way them cars are set up. You know, um, gotcha. it, it could be that case. It's similar to similar to F1 electronics. You know that it's all everything's nearly adjustable. You know. Yeah, yeah. To be fair to Subaru, uh, Seminuk, he th- th- they actually outdrove Ken in a few stages. Oh, one hundred percent. And as I say, sure. Look at Travis. The way he started off the rally, other than a, as I say, a puncture. Uh, Travis was looking, he was getting really in control of the whole thing, you know. Um, Same thing, I would say, I imagine at the same corner that we got the puncture, that he got the puncture. Um, There was that brave line and uh, we seen something sticking out, whether it would be a root of a tree or whatever we hit on the way past. We knew it was going to be a pretty big impact. Uh, And we're happy enough all it was was a puncture at the end of the day, you know. Yeah, so I mean, uh, other than that puncture, um, I mean, you guys were, like you said, there thereabouts throughout the entire rally um, f- for your pace, you know, enough to uh, hold on to a podium. Were you kind of, I guess, once you had that loss of time and you saw Travis lost that time, was it trying to just kind of manage things like, you know what, it, it's going to be way too much to make up uh, over a minute, you know, of time loss? and kind of hold station unless something happens to somebody else? Or were you still pushing as hard as you guys could? Oh, no, look, at the, there was definitely something left. When you're that far out of the race, you know, you kind of still keep a push on to a certain extent because, as we know, it's only ever a puncture away or a spin and a stall. Uh, you know, you could cause a, a massive time drop at that. So we kind of keep, you know, you're driving there, thereabouts at 90, 85, 90%, you know? Gotcha. Well, and... You guys had puncture issues at Hundred Acre Wood before, so uh, I'm guessing there was a little bit of uh, caution uh, just in that mindset. You already had one this time; it was from an obvious cut where you know you hit something. But I'm guessing in the back of your mind was uh, last year. Yeah, look at um, last year was just we sat that long at the start for a stage delay. Uh, we run the tires that usually um, we drop them down in PSI, and the longer they sit there, the colder they get. So they'll start to drop PSI and what we think happened it probably de-beaded rather than punctured ah yeah that's yeah it's unfortunate at times that can happen you know if you let down your pressures the stage starts delayed could be delayed for 30 minutes 40 minutes your tires cool down and then you run into that issue until you get them back up to temperature again so you can, can you kind of manage that by uh you know y- Basically by, you know, not pushing too hard in speed, yeah. get at least enough of that brake heat to maybe heat up those tires and get them going again before you start pushing harder near the end of the stage? 
Yeah, correct, correct, yeah. Um, as I say, it was just, it was one of them twisty stages and you were constantly leaning on the tyre and leaning on it um, and not a lot of braking being done. Ah. And uh, yeah, I would say we just de-beated it, that's all. Well, I'm glad it didn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, at it was, as I said, we were, it was a fourth or a fifth year corner. Barry was committed to a line and there was just something pulled out that was in the line. Uh, and it was go over it or try and go around it. It could cause an accident, you know. So it was just a kind of case of you just got to go with it. You know what? One thing I don't know, which one of the stages was a power stage at this one? Because uh, it wasn't really made a lot of fanfare. Uh, stage 12. And uh, how would you guys feel about kind of pushing a little extra on that one? Or do you guys, again, just trying to conserve things? Oh, look at it. It's brilliant. It's, the power stage is actually, uh, you kind of nearly look forward to it now, as I say, Granted, it being our first one, um, but there's always a great bit of banter between uh, Brandon, Travis, and Barry uh, for this dollar a stage. So they just seem to choose the power stage. So uh, look, it, it just shows the pace that everybody's on. We came out to the end of that stage. Granted, it's where Canada's issue, but the three of us came out 1.1 seconds apart from one another. That must be fun for bragging rights. Yeah, it, it, look at it, it's brilliant. When you get that closer race, and that's what it's all about, you know, we're not there whether we were racing, you know, it doesn't have to be a warrior car. If you're racing an R5 car, you're further down the field. It's all about the competition. Like, it's all about the racing and a close racing at that. Well, I mean, if the power stage showed anything where everybody's pushing to their absolute limit, granted it was only 7.32 miles, Yeah, uh, you know, so it wasn't a, a huge stage. But, you know, as far as the... The kind of the playing field between the cars, Ken excluded because he he slowed way down yeah. uh, after the issues he had on the with the deer smacking that he did in the previous stage. But it really does show that it seems like you know you guys are just uh, what was it? Like you said one point one seconds ahead of the Subarus. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. we're getting pretty close there. But where would you like to see where we get? American rallying performance-wise. I had a, I don't know if you heard my call with uh, Travis Pastrana. He was saying, you know what? R5 plus-ish would be perfect. Yeah. Or just go balls to the wall and you can put anything in any car and just go nuts. But, you know, we know what Travis is. He's kind of got a level of insanity there. But R5 plus-ish, I think, is what he was thinking of. So that would even slower than what the Subarus are now and kind of get everybody down to that level. What do you think? Yeah, look, that's brilliant because, as I said, some great drivers came here from Europe. Even last year, the likes of uh, Marty McCormick came here and Barry's um, Skoda. Uh, he just couldn't believe the pace that the guys is on out here. Like, you know, Marty's very fast. Take him anywhere in the world, Marty's fast in any car. And yet that he came here and, you know, we were taking steadily, constantly taking big chunks of time out of him in every stage. He couldn't believe that. The pace out here is absolutely astronomical I think um, whereas if you took it back to R5 plus you'll get more European guys looking in and going okay I can go and race these guys but what's the machinery that's here at the minute especially with Barry's car at the Subarus and Ken's car you know you'll not race that in anything but a full blown WRC car or there or thereabouts you know but you, you must be happy that you get to be competing at least for now in the fastest cars built since Group B. Oh, look at it. It's brilliant. Uh, don't get me wrong. We love it. We'll go every weekend if we could. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's a kind of case that 
if the, if it was dulled down a little bit and pulled back to as Travis said R five plus or R five or whatever that may be close to there, that'd be brilliant because you're taking in more outside eyes and maybe you know as I say gather up more people to come in their R five cars and compete for a rally win. Like it, it's great racing. It's brilliant racing between the four of us. But when it comes to the point that if you had twenty guys and any one of the twenty could win. That's that's where it becomes, you know, good racing to absolutely brilliant racing. We're gonna need bigger service parks. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But that that should be the aim, you know. It should be the aim to get it that far. And um, because, like, there's no stages better than than here. Stages, no matter what corner you go to, you go to Olympus. You have everything. You have tight, twisty, technical stuff. You come to Maine balls to the wall stages everywhere it's just it's got such a variety of brilliant stages well you are entered to uh be at olympus is is the plan to hopefully do the rest of the championship hey look at as i say work dependent for himself and myself but um we'd like to think maybe we can yeah um but it's all down to uh what they say you know yeah yeah, it's going <laughs> to work tends to uh, rule my life a little bit as well. But, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, because of that, though, you know, and how well you guys have been doing uh, is is why we could see you out here. Uh, so the business being healthy is a good thing. Oh, look at it. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's going from strength to strength. They're kind of moving to every corner now. So it, it's going very well at the minute. Long may it last. Indeed. Well, Congratulations on uh, yeah I did look at the stats you guys did win uh, did you get did you actually get a dollar from Travis Pastrana for winning that power stage that's his dollar bet thing yeah 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 Barry got his dollar yeah <laughs> I love it well it'll be interesting to see who's come away with the thicker wallet this year <laughs> exactly exactly oh man well congratulations on the power stage win sorry you guys got that puncture but uh, you know a good recovery to hold on to it and get on the podium and. Uh, I guess uh, move on to Olympus. Uh, I'm excited to see you guys out. I mean, I still can't believe I got to ride in that damn car. And Yeah, it's, uh, it's a man. different bit of kit. But as I said, you know, I do see a lot of posts here and there all over Facebook and Instagram, you know, WRC, this WRC. Yes, it's WRC aero package, but that's as far as, as the WRC part of it goes, you know. Um, as for everything else, it's, you know, your two-liter... Uh, down to the same as basically the car we run three years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. Suspension the travels arrow, a little better, too. Yeah, correct, correct, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you have that basis of a uh, WRC aero kit, which, yes, on high-speed stuff, it is it is pretty good, you know? It's a lot. As David Higgins made the comment about Barry's last car, it it's so, so good, but then every so often it just tries to kill you. <laughs> this car doesn't do that. Which, which is a big benefit. You know, one thing that Travis w- was actually re- really good at talking to me about his learning how to drive with Arrow, and, and, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit uh, on this as well. Um, he was saying that the, the hard thing is, is there's corners you go into that uh, the amount of yaw that you put into it, you go just half a degree too far and you lose all that Arrow and you're just off the road now with the because you rely so much on the Arrow. Yeah, like once once you would get that that Carabari's um to the limit, um I suppose it would be that case, yes. Um you do see that it'll snap sideways a little bit quicker than the older car. 
because you're losing that little bit of downforce if you're not committed to carrying the speed, you know. Ah, de- definitely a different way of driving. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't lack in commitment by any means, but <laughs> it's just on, on, on them long kind of progressive corners that may tighten in the middle that you may have to come off the power a little bit, and that's when you could get caught out, yes. Well, I'm not wanting to be get overly political on all this stuff, but I did want to ask that, you know, do you think there's a way that we can, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, dumb down these uh, top cars so we can still at least see them out there to that kind of R5 plus level? Because I know there's so much that's integrated in these, um, you know, newer homologated machines. Would we have to replace them completely and just go with R5s and upgrade those? Or do you think that we could still have that platform, but then you know, again, just get them kind of neutered a bit. Yeah, I don't actually know. Um, it's kind of thing, yes, you could pull them back and put R5 running gear in them um, and run the 1600 engine with um, the 34mm stricter. But, like, uh, does everybody go away and buy a new R5 car? Or, you know, what's the best solution is the thing. You know, like, mm-hmm. where the likes of Barry's car and, and the the Subarus and stuff, where do you go with them other than here, you know? So you got to ask too. Yeah, Barry that's the Car, thing. Yeah. Is like, we love seeing that technology and the, and the cool stuff, um, even if it's not, you know, again, truly the top WRC car. Um, yeah. But, you know, it just, you don't really have other places you can run them. And advantage us, right, that we have at least a place that, at least the platform can run. Oh, look at yeah! As I said before, you know it's brilliant that um, these the, the likes of these cars can run here because they're they're just unbelievably quick. They're so so good to sit in, and as I say, the competition um, at the top is, is brilliant. But you know, to pull it back, yes, to answer the question, can it, would you go back? R five cars would be brilliant. Yes, R five pluses would be brilliant because. To pull out outside or pull outside interest in here and get European drivers and, and hopefully even get manufacturers in and think, okay, that maybe we can come there and have a go at it. Well, it was definitely interesting, I think, that when, uh, you know, Ken was here, it seemed like there were a lot of Hyundai shirted people around that basically people, I think, that worked for the manufacturer, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, that would be um, the team that would be running that car for Ken. Right. So, I mean, at least it shows a potential interest. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know. Um, but the likes of that thing would need a lot of technicians, I'm sure, you know, to run it as well. Um, but, yeah, look at it. would be great to, if even I see, just going off the subject, but I see Toyota's bringing out this new GR Corolla um, actually tomorrow. And w- would they be somebody that may look at it and go, okay, Toyota America, go, okay, we might build an R5 car, an R5 spec car, and get into a championship or something like that. It's the pull more manufacturers in would be brilliant, and pull more outside interest in as well would be great, you know? God, I hope that they make that thing into a rally car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it, looks, it looks good. It does, it does. But it, it's just stuff like that. Um, it, it'd be great to see because... Look, the place out here, stages out here, um, the rallies out here have just so much potential. It just needs to be, it just needs to be tuned, you know. That's kind of, I'm pointed at, pointed in one direction rather than pull it in seven different directions. Yeah, but we still got to keep those grassroots guys able to kind of play too. Oh no, one hundred percent. That that's what I mean. Like when you go back to, as I say, racing for seconds. No matter if you're racing 
the second last car or, or the first car. As long as the guy ahead of you is two and three and you're battling, that's what racing's all about. We would race push bikes if it was competitive. <laughs> you know, it's just something to, as I say, have the bragging rights at the end of the stage and think, okay, I got him by one, no matter who it is or what they're driving. It's just, it's look, we do, we all do it for the competition. We don't do it for, unfortunately, very little of us is getting paid for this. So we just do it for the competition and and the love of the sport, you know. Uh, definitely, and and it's impressive some of the talent that we've got. Um, I think it really showed when you have someone that was just really successful in NA four car, like Mark Piatkowski, then turns around, hops in one of these R five things, and shows that he can be competitive in it. And it's some learning to do, but for a first time out, uh, it shows, I think, that there is some talent here in the States too. Oh, I completely agree, yes. Like, And as I say, his first day out, like you give that guy two or three full rallies in that car and like, you know, he'll be up there. He, he was actually swapping and very close to guys that's in our five cars for quite a while, you know. So to do that there on your first day out just shows that he, he has a, nat- or a natural talent to drive. I'm sure if if the thing was dulled back a little bit and we look back at further back the field, you know, that that there's there's loads of talent, you know? Yeah, I think there is. Um, I think just, you know, a lot of maybe lack of opportunity in some of the different, you know, machinery and whatnot. But even that's changing. Uh, well, we had our first um, Rally 3 cars? Yes, yep. the four-wheel drive uh, R2 thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're an amazing piece of kit. They're they're built by M4 Poland there. Um, but a guy, John Armstrong, had won out at the Azures at the weekend, and like he was swapping stage times with um, with full blown R5 cars out there in one of those. That's impressive. Uh, and very, very, very fast guys at that, you know. And and should be more affordable piece of kit too. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Way more affordable and a lot of a lot of standard parts. You know, you don't have these big fancy carbon body panels or nothing. So when you do hit it a tip, as it's going to happen, uh, it's just that little bit easier to fix. Here's to uh, more competition, more folks coming over from overseas, and uh, you guys uh, still, you know, uh, trading times at the top. Uh, more dollars. Oh, yeah, more dollars, yeah, yeah. We hope to come away with a full wallet this year rather than an empty one, you know. <laughs> Sounds really good. <laughs> Leon, thanks for taking your time in the middle of your busy work day. I do no hope problem. to see you up at at uh, the Olympus Rally. Uh, I know you guys didn't get a chance to compete in it in that car last year, um, but I think it could be quite the weapon this year. Oh, likewise. Look, at fingers crossed that um, that everything goes to plan here at work and stuff, and, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get out there. All right, man. Take care, and uh, we'll see you soon. Perfect. Thank you, Mike. You know what I hate? Big, bulky, underperforming batteries. Lighten your load with Performance Battery from Melee Design Firm. They have time-tested solutions for your race car, rally car, or even your daily commuter. Make sure you check us out at MeleeDesignFirm.com, a proud sponsor of the Open Paddock Rallycast since 2020. And thank you again to our guests and to our supporters, Melee Design Firm and Oz Rally Pro. Uh, we couldn't do this without your guys' support. If you'd like to help support Open Paddock, there's a donate button on our website, openpaddock.net, and or rate and review on iTunes and elsewhere. Also, if you have any comments, critiques, questions, or ideas about my audio production, then please email me at johnson.derekm at gmail.com. That's J-O-H-N-S-O-N dot 
D-E-R-E-K-M at gmail.com. I'm always looking for ways to improve and refine my work and your experience as a listener. Again, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and please don't speed on wrecking. Thank <laughs> you.